Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and I'm joined today by Jeff Kanata. Jeff, how's it going, man? It's going real good, Dave. How are you? I'm good, and this is a a, a special episode, Jeff. This is a rebroadcast of an older episode. What? We're inside an old episode right now? I know. It's it's actually unpleasant. It's moist in here. I don't like yeah. it that much, um, but we are here because uh, I am on vacation this week, so we decided to just give everyone a week off uh, and put an older episode out. And I went back through the archives, and you know, when you're choosing a, an older episode, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a certain art to it, right? Like you sure. can't just you can't just slap any old episode onto the feed. No, right? most of our episodes are terrible. Ninety nine percent of the episodes are garbage, yeah. right? So uh, I wanted to choose one that was gonna feature a lot of fun, that was gonna feature a lot of like, uh, you, you know, a- episodes where things kind of go off the rails a little bit, mm. just a little bit, you know, right. most of the, the, the film cast is controlled chaos. Sometimes it's just chaos. And <laughs> yeah, right. I wanted to choose an episode that was like a little bit more chaos, a little bit more so chaotic. You, did you find one? I tried and I think <laughs> I have, and you know, listeners will tell us if they agree or not, but this is episode 330 that you're about to hear, mm. which was recorded on, or published on August 6, 2015. So six oh, years before ago. times. I mean, our lives were dramatically different. So much back. better. <laughs> <laughs> you, what you mean? Because you, not neither of us were married, and you didn't have kids yet, Jeff. <laughs> yes, uh, I think you we, meant to say we, way worse. Been, <laughs> Trump was just a uh, a humorous <clears throat> sideshow character from media. You know, indeed, indeed. So yeah, it was. Uh, it, this was still the Obama administration, right? Yeah, Probably at yeah, that time. yeah. Um, and uh, this episode is an in-depth review of fantastic four the josh Uh, trank movie what a disappointment that movie was am i I spoiling what people are about to hear or do they they know we think it's a disappointment right yeah i mean i mean you're a marvel zombie from way back is my i am yeah and so so fantastic Fantastic four happens to be very close to my heart uh i always absolutely love fantastic four I'm sure I'm I'm gonna I'm repeating stuff that I don't know I'm about to say in this episode, <laughs> but uh, the, the Walt Simonson Fantastic Four run that happened in the '90s at some point is like one of my all-time favorite comic book arcs. Uh, it, it just it meant so much to me. I I practiced drawing the the Fantastic Four like he drew them. I just thought it was so. It, it, I don't know. It spoke to me. It's the way he drew the thing with like this unibrow thing. It was, ugh, I just loved it. Anyway. Yeah. And they've been so central to the MCU comic series in ways that they haven't been in the, in the MCU's like uh, movie series. Right. Well, I hope, because of uh, rights I hope that's changing. Right? I hope we, we, we see teases that maybe that will, that will change in some way. Yeah. We know there will be a fantastic four Marvel movie yeah. right? and who knows what's going to lead up to that and how they're going to play into it. Uh, I think it's going to be really fascinating. But back in 2015, Walt Disney did not own Fox yet. Right. And Fox had to keep churning out a Fantastic Four movie every few years in order to retain the rights to make Fantastic Four movies. Which is always the best motivation to oh, make a movie. I mean, not even for money, Jeff, just for the, the possibility of money is, is why they made this movie. <laughs> yeah. right? Not to even ensure like, other people can't make money. That's yeah, what you want. Oh, yeah. It, they made it for spite, basically, right? <laughs> yeah. Definitely a great, great way to, reason to make this movie. Okay. Um, this was a, so this is a movie that was directed by Josh Trank. He had just come off of, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, superhero Chronicle. Movie that, Chronicle, yeah. Awesome movie. Awesome movie. And 
this movie, it's, by the way, it should, seemed to have a fantastic cast. I mean, not to use the fantastic I word. I can't believe I, you just said that, but yeah. I didn't uh, mean to. You uh, got Miles the, Teller, Michael B. Jordan, Kate Mara, Jamie Bell, Toby Kebbell. Come on. That's a great and, cast. And your secondary characters, Reg E. Kathy and Tim Blake Nelson. You know, so this is an awesome cast. Phenomenal. The title is styled as Fant for Stick. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like Fant yeah. for Stick. Like mm-hmm. fa- the, Four is an A. Yeah. Four is an A. What do you, What do you think of that, Jeff? Given that this is not the fourth film in the franchise, how do you feel about that usage? I mean, it's indicative of a lot of the choices that turned out to be made. <laughs> <laughs> but but what uh what place does this movie occupy in your mind when you think back on it? Right, like. You you have Oof. not listened to this review. I have listened to the review. I found it amusing. You have not listened back to this review. I'm curious no. what like when you think of the Fantastic Four, and you have been a fan of yes. the Fantastic Four. You know, in Big the time. comics, did you like the, by the way the Tim Story movies? Uh, no. Got gotcha. So you had already <laughs> been not. let down. Yes, I, the, I had, the, yeah, yeah. I felt like this was going to be the redemption of right. that of right. that IP. Yeah. Why did you not like those earlier films? I also thought they missed the mark. I thought they were, um, uh, they felt, they, they, they looked and felt cheap to me. Mm. Uh, and, uh, I, I thought they were poorly made and poorly executed. Another, another example of having a really great cast and not really knowing what to do with them. I just felt like nobody really understood what made the fantastic four special and why what, they what were What does make them special in your opinion? I think, I'm 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 hoping that the Kevin Feige regime at Marvel understands this, and I I suspect that they do. But um, the Fantastic Four are explorers; right? they are a family of explorers, and that notion was never. Uh, they they are first. They were they were modeled in the comic book after the Kennedy White House, right? They were supposed mm. to be this sort of aspirational uh, about science, about learning, about knowledge, and, and about exploration. I mean, it was they were created during a time when you know getting to the moon and exploring space was this held so much promise and aspiration for America, and. They can be that they can, they, they are, a, what I loved about them as a kid is that they are aspirational. They are inspirational and they, are, they sort of represent the best of us. And even, you know, the, the lessons that they learn about how all of their, you know, their, their powers come from their sort of greatest weaknesses, their worst fears about themselves, mm. right? You have this scientist who is stretched too thin and you have this woman who always fears that she's receding into the background and no one sees her and you have this sort of pompous pilot guy who feels like he's the most gorgeous person in the world and you have this hothead whose temper always gets the better of him and all of their powers are you know um magnifications of their their weaknesses and they learn to embrace those things and make them stronger because of it i i just never felt like it had the heart and the the sense of exploration and and aspiration that i was drawn to from the comic books it always felt like just sort of a cheap way to tell uh superpower stories and i think that marvel movies have for the most part the mcu movies have really the thing that they have done right from from my perspective is understanding that 
a superhero tale is a metaphor for something else. Mm-hmm. And that you're trying to have a great adventure tale and have, uh, you know, fun set pieces and all that stuff. But really it's this exploration of, you know, notions that the, the abstract, the powers are abstractions of something else. It's, it's like any other science fiction. It's a way to use a metaphor to tell a human story. And I think the MCU has done a pretty darn good job of that, in my opinion. Beautifully said, Jeff. That was very nicely done. And and hearing you talk about it so eloquently just makes what resulted in this movie all the more tragic. <laughs> I feel... Because it is I not even... Rem- it is not even close no. to anything that you're describing in terms of like the tone or right. the aspirations or anything like that. Now, oh, sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? You, I was just going to say, I, I, I don't remember much of this review because I, I, it's been a long time, but uh, I do remember getting real angry. <laughs> you were not happy. You were not happy. <laughs> now, I will say that in the time since then, Josh Trank has spoken a little bit about uh, his experience working on this movie, uh, he did a profile at Polygon.com called The Post-Disaster Artist with Matt Patches that does a pretty good job of kind of going into uh, what his experience was like and, and what happened. Uh, th- this is kind of in preparation for Capone. And I read that profile and it, it kind of is great context because at the time, when we were going into this movie, here's what I can tell you. We did not know that it was going to be as disastrous as it was like Mm, like i think we knew that it might be bad but like it it is one of those movies you know we just reviewed the suicide squad which is a sequel to suicide squad and like the 2016 david air film the suicide or uh, suicide squad it's very obvious that this movie was tampered by the studio it's it's weird to be able to say something like that it's weird like i think you know a, a person might very reasonably react how well how would you know that right like how how would you know that it was like something the studio did instead of um something the director did and i guess like one way is that there are just kind of basic screenwriting and storytelling rules that most movies follow right and i guess it, it you after watching thousands of movies for this podcast you kind of get a sense of like oh yeah like even if it's a bad rendition of it like you kind of get a sense of like, oh, the, this person understands the basic storytelling. When something goes dramatically off course from that, then it sometimes feels like, oh, wow, that was it, like I, I know that Josh Trank knows about the basic rules of storytelling. So unless he's trying to do something avant garde here, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was edited it, outside it was his edited control, <laughs> or something. There was reshoots or something. Not to yeah. mention, you know, another big sign: bad wigs. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's another big side. If someone's wearing a bad wig, uh, probably they're doing a reshoot, and it's possible. And reshoots are not inherently bad, but if the movie overall is bad, then the reshoot can be a sign that uh, that something uh, was amiss. And I, I do I do want to clarify: some people are like reshoots equals bad. That's not the case at all. Many movies plan in time for reshoots, almost but, all at this point. Yeah, yeah. But in the case of this movie, uh, it didn't help. It didn't help. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of just wanted to think through like uh, as we as we play this rebroadcast, I wanted to record a little bit extra so people don't think we're just slapping an old episode on there with no additional work. But yeah. I wanted to also ask you to reflect a little bit on like what the Fantastic Four means to you. Uh, this movie being a huge disappointment. Any other memories you have of the Fantastic Four movie, and then people can then listen to the rest of this episode and compare whether. Uh, you know, you are, you're, you're accurately remembering things. I, I mean, I vividly recall the, uh, the final climactic confrontation with Dr. Doom 
being almost entirely incoherent. Yes. Like yes. it is a, it, the movie completely collapses at the end. The thing it, that it's I, not doing great up to that point either, but it, it just, you just go, <laughs> what is even happening here? Well, the thing that I can't, I still remember feeling even after all these years is thinking, Oh, this movie's gearing up for a third act. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's going to be another act. And then the movie just ending abrupt, like extremely abruptly. Yeah. Uh, so and then it, and then it, I also remember that scene at the end where they, they like are clearly setting up for a sequel and you're just like, no, yeah. you don't get to do this. Mm, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So, so let, let me ask you though, do, yeah. do you, do you have, having, uh, seen terror, my opinion, terrible, fantastic four films up to this point, do you have any hope for an MCU version of this IP or is it just another MCU movie that you're like, well, it's the fucking next thing? So I don't know. I don't have any information about the Fantastic Four movie or anything like that. So everything I'm about to say is complete speculation. But the thing to me that's most interesting to me about what might become of Fantastic Four in the future is the idea that... Uh, so I'm, we're going to do spoilers for Loki, the, the Disney Plus series. So if you haven't seen Loki, the Disney Plus series... Skip ahead a couple minutes until the review itself of Fantastic Four, which doesn't have Loki because it hasn't Disney happened did, yet. Disney yeah. Plus didn't exist at the time they reviewed this, but <laughs> but um, so spoilers for Loki starting right now. But the thing that's most interesting to me about what could become of this new Fantastic Four is that um, the Fantastic Four's absence in the MCU is really curious, right? Like, like. The, the question to ask is how is the MCU going to explain the absence of the Fantastic Four? Do you know what I mean? Like, right. that is the ultimate question. Are the Fantastic Four characters going to have been going to just be introduced as new characters like Ant-Man was introduced as a new character in the Ant-Man movie, right? Mm -hmm, right? Or because the Fantastic Four have been such a big deal in the Marvel comics is there going to be some way of conveying that, like, actually, by the way, the Fantastic Four have been part of the MCU all along, and we have not seen them because Kang the Conqueror did some shit. Do you know what I mean? I mean like, I think that <clears throat> that is my hope. That right. I, my hope is that the Fantastic Four movie is a period piece mm -hmm. uh, because I I, I think the, right, like I mean, uh, Captain America: First Avenger or something like that. Right? Yes, I mean yeah. that, that. There's an episode of the Totally Rad Show way back when where I go. All I want is the is the, for a Captain America movie that starts as a period piece and then we he gets frozen in ice and then we come to and that that happened like that's it's so wonderful that that happened like that's ne what needed to happen for that character right and I think like for that character to make sense in modern times he has to not have been from modern times and I don't necessarily think that's true with Fantastic Four but I think it would help tremendously like part of what's wrong with all the Fantastic Four movies is that they are set in contemporary times and the the notion of what these people are doesn't really work in a time when we've already been to the moon and we've mm. we already like we it just doesn't it doesn't make much sense and everything's it's all been retrofitted to kind of modernize it and make it work but what what's so what what I think would work so beautifully is to keep it as this 1960s family. And then you could have, because we're doing timey-wimey stuff with King the Conqueror and um, uh, the multiverse, 
you you could have a them being at the heart of this battle with Kang, and w he wins or something. They wipe out their timeline. Right? Or their yeah, timeline gets decoupled with. Yeah, they go through this massive thing where they they do something hugely important, right? Right. Uh, that's critical to like you know saving the world or whatever. But then Kang erases any sign of them from the timeline somehow. Right? Yes, and I think that would be so brilliant and it so would be, perfect. Yes, and it would, it would be, be so, so consistent yeah. with what. Fantastic Four are like Kang right. has historically been a great Fantastic Four nemesis, and yeah. just to, to have the mind of Reed Richards and, and against the mind of Kang, and like have you know part of the thing that's so wonderful about Fantastic Four is that it is really a cerebral kind of uh, uh, notion. You know, it's 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 Picard and Q. You know, it's it's a lot of it is him trying to outsmart, and I, I I hope that they embrace that, and I hope I hope that that's the pathway that Marvel is going with in making ultimately like their arrival in our timeline be a big deal for every part of the MCU and them sort of be the new heart of the MCU, I think that would make me yeah. very happy. Because it would basically be like, can can you retcon the Fantastic Four to be a critical part of the MCU's history, right? right. Of the MCU history um, using plot mechanics you've already introduced. Yes. And if they are able to do that, it would be really quite badass, I think, right? Yeah, and, and, the, and the coolest part about it if they do this is that they're building the scaffolding around it right now, yes. right? They're, they, they don't, they're not using the fantastic four movie to introduce multiple timelines and, and right. time. They're, yes. they're building, they're using all these other properties to build mm -hmm. the scaffolding for that. And then, and then they get to pull the, do the big magicians reveal and go, you know who was actually at the center of all of this the whole time? Fantastic These characters Four. that we haven't even shown you yet. I know. It would be so mind-blowing. if that's, Yeah. Because I, I think people might be like, oh, Fantastic Four, we're going to see another shitty origin movie. Right. Like the Tim Story movie, like the Josh Trank movie, you know, like. Right. Introduce, but it's like, what if it was the Fantastic Four all along? Yeah. You know, what if what if the real Fantastic Four was the friends we made in the 1970s? <laughs> yes. You know, and that I would mean, be mind blowing. Dude, right? I really I really hope we're right about this one uh, <laughs> because, I, you know, and I think that they're smart enough to kind of see that. And, they, and they're built. They got all the building blocks in place for it. So, you know, here's hoping, I guess. Indeed. Well. Jeff, I was going to record this like I was like let's do like a 5 minute intro, but it's been so much fun talking to you about yeah, the Fantastic Four, the past, the future of it. Um so yeah, this has been great and I hope people enjoy this blast from the past, you know. Yeah. We're about to take you back in time to 2015. During Such a very a different part time. of our lives, during a much yeah. simpler time. I owned at this the point at which we're talking about it, I owned zero face masks. Indeed. Uh, yeah. And, and that was just one of like five things that were different back then. So, uh, so anyway, uh, thanks Jeff for chatting with me. Uh, we hope you out there are staying safe, staying healthy. And, uh, that even though there's no brand new episode of the Filmcast this week that you enjoy this rebroadcast of our, uh, episode 330, our fantastic four review. Here it is. See you soon. Hey, it's time to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Fast Growing Trees. You know, probably, you know, if you've heard me blather on in this here podcast, you know that I just moved to a new house in the Denver, Colorado area. And one of the things about having a house 
is I got to do some landscaping. I want to make my house look nice. I'm very proud of the yard that we now have, but I know nothing about it. Luckily, I found fast growing trees. This is exactly what I needed. And by the way, now is the perfect time to plant some trees or shrubs. If you're thinking about this, the fall is the best time. So it's time right now to start thinking about this stuff. And Fast Growing Trees lets you skip the big box stores. Head to FastGrowingTrees.com, the world's largest online nursery. No more waiting in lines. No more messy cars. No more digging through a lackluster selection. You just go to FastGrowingTrees.com and you can choose from thousands of varieties of trees and shrubs and plants expertly curated to thrive in your area and delivered to your door in one or two days. And whether you're looking for shade, privacy, fruit trees, or just added color for your yard, every plant is shipped with a well-developed root system ready to explode with new growth come spring. This has been so perfect for me because as I said, I'm new to the Colorado area. I've only ever lived in California before this. And fast-growing trees lets me pick things that will thrive in my area because I don't know anything about this. It's so simple. It's so easy. There is a better way to buy trees and shrubs and plants for your home and yard. Fastgrowingtrees.com. Fall is planting season. Don't let anybody tell you different. Join over 1 million satisfied gardeners at fastgrowingtrees.com. Plus, the 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee means your plants will arrive happy, healthy, and ready for planting. And now through November 30th, go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash filmcast for 15% off. That's 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash filmcast. Fastgrowingtrees.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Dr. Storm, we gave you six years and millions of dollars and you gave us nothing. What's different now? Reed Richards. He knows answers to questions we don't even know to ask yet. This is our chance to learn more about our planet and maybe even save it. I want you to meet my daughter, Sue. You want to be famous? I just want my work to make a difference. John, read. This guy doesn't take orders well. Yeah, especially from people who say, I don't take orders well. Don't let any of these lab coats give you any crap, all right? Well, if I do, I know who to call. The muscle. I gotta say, it's fun having you here. Really? No. <laughs> what you've created here is incredible. You guys sure you're in the best shape to be doing this? Yeah. yeah. We're good. Uh, so, Jeff, where did it all go wrong for you? Oh, boy. What a question, Dave. Um, this movie... First of all, oh boy. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do have to say that I was quite stunned. If it, if it sounds like Jeff is having trouble finding words, it's because, I, at least for me, I was quite stunned when I saw this because I was shocked that a movie this terrible was allowed to be released. I mean, this is probably the worst film I've seen in 2015 so far. And I include it's, Black Hat in that formulation. I mean, it's, it is... It, it's, in an age where superhero films are doing so well, where the formula for them is so tried and true, uh, you either need to bring something new to the table or execute on a pretty basic formula uh, fairly well, well right? It's like, interesting that you say that because you, know, I, you and I both lived through the dark age of superhero films. And uh, 
I, you know, people who came of age in the Marvel era here that we're living through now, uh, I think perhaps don't remember the, uh, the fact that superhero movies were what video game movies are now. Just you expected them to be terrible. Right. And they were all – they were made by people who just fundamentally didn't understand the characters and they just were kind of shoehorned into a different genre that they didn't really belong in and they were sort of haphazardly constructed and it, it was – it was so, bad. So, so we're talking about movies like, uh, let's say, I don't know, Batman and Robin. Yes. Right? Or Steel. Or yes, great example. Uh, you, you know, Spawn has its defenders. Yeah, no, you know? that's exactly fits in that. Kind of, <laughs> yes. Or like uh, the Super Mario uh, Brothers movie. I know that's a video game. Well, that's a video a game. Comic book, but, Dare, but Daredevil or yes, uh, yes, nailing it. Electra. Catwoman. Uh, now, to be fair, there were good movies that came out during this time as well. The original X Men came out. You got well. The I would say this this movie feels like it was sent in a time machine from the early nineties. Mm-hmm. You know, when these movies just weren't made really well, and and honestly, the entire end of this movie is unbelievably poorly just. From a craftsman perspective, right, right. just poorly made, yep. and it looks like the the movies that we used to get in the '90s, where they just sort of like hung these actors out to dry on a green screen and asked them to sort of wriggle around and make faces, and they had tight close-ups. Yeah, like the staging, it it just felt like uh, okay. So you know how the vast majority of Star Wars prequels, its characters having a conversation and walking along like a hallway in front of a green screen, it felt like you're using that aesthetic and applying it to a major superhero finale uh, in a blockbuster film. Like it's that, unbelievable. It, it's, yeah, it is. It, so anyway, if we're, if, we're, if we're struggling for words, it's because I am just surprised that something this bad could be released. And, and I don't know. Uh, it's, it's difficult to sort of articulate you know why it was this bad but let's try jeff let's, <laughs> well let's try. i'll say this uh, you know the the, uh, the problem starts at the beginning of the film <laughs> when well, we're introduced well, to the... young reed richards and uh, young ben Grimm. well okay so <laughs> the, the, there's a long period before anybody gets superpowers in this movie yes uh, and uh, to the extent that i would say this kind of isn't a superhero movie it's to the, at the beginning, at least, felt like a, a strange reboot of The Explorers, if you know that movie from the 80s, uh-huh. uh, which is a movie that is beloved to me. I, I truly enjoy this, The Explorers. And if this had not been a Fantastic Four movie, I think everything up until the moment they get superpowers, there's some interesting stuff there. It, it treats science in a way that is ridiculous on the face of it. It treats the whole idea of this like the world that they live in and the the rules of that world just don't make any sense on the face of them but but if you're looking at it like through the lens of like the 80s explorers and young kids and how cool it is to be a kid and yeah all i need to do is strap together 14 game cubes and then i can create something that physicists have never imagined before like that fantasy from a kid's perspective there was some fun stuff that happened in the beginning it's not a Fantastic Four movie, but there was I you know there yeah was, no, no I, I can so uh, a lot of people have been say, I've seen this a lot a lot of people including Peter Sreder, editor in chief of Slash Film have been saying oh the first half or the first two thirds is a great little sci fi movie and let me just say the first two thirds or the first half or the first third or 
any component of this movie just did not work for me at all. This whole situation with the kids and their interaction, it just felt at the same time incredibly heavy-handed and yet also not enough uh, was given to me about their relationship to make me care at all. You could have eliminated all of that stuff about the 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 younger versions of those uh, of Ben Grimm and yeah. um, Reed, Reed Richards, Richards. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, the movie would have lost nothing. I, I, it feels like, actually, to be honest, this movie, I think, is like 85 minutes long. I mean, it is so short, and it feels like a lot of the stuff was put in there. It's completely unnecessary. Maybe le- they left it in there because releasing a 70-minute superhero film would have seemed pretty suspicious. I but think I, it's longer than that, though, Dave. I, I heard it was – I mean, it certainly feels longer than that, <laughs> but I think it is actually – I thought it was like 200 minutes. Uh, it's definitely not 200 minutes. I mean, okay. I the, the movie began at 7. I was walking out at 8.33. So, okay. All right. Uh, it's, it's a very short – it's probably the shortest superhero film I've seen uh, ever that I can recall. But, you know, someone proved me wrong on that. Anyway, point being, I felt like that whole uh, childhood friend stuff uh, did not pay off in any way – any kind of satisfying way and – uh, felt completely unnecessary, and I thought the child actors did not do a good job. I'm I sorry agree. to say, uh, I agree with that. I just didn't think they pulled it off, and they're like but, particularly young Ben Grimm. I just thought was unbearable, and he's only on screen for five minutes. I know you from school. I'm just looking for a power converter. I'm building something. Ben, what's going on? Hold on. That teleporting thing. I can show it to you. I just need the converter. All right. You know, so well, young Reed Richards is just just saddled with <laughs> monotony, and and he just he is that as if he was directed to say it as boring and banal as he possibly could. I mean, but you I know mean, what? This is this is the type of movie that gives you appreciation for other films, uh, like that, that I thought were terrible. So, for instance, <laughs> uh, Tomorrowland, I have much more appreciation for the children actors in that film after yeah. watching this. I have much more appreciation of the action set pieces and uh universe building in green lantern the ryan reynolds film after watching this movie yeah uh, this makes green lantern look like uh look like the dark knight yeah i mean yeah that that is I, I never thought a movie could make me appreciate green lantern but this here we are this is a movie that's done it okay anyway so okay so the, so the, let's get past the you know they're trying to build up this friendship between ben Grimm and reed richards that's a complete are we, are waste we, are we spoiling this? Or do we care? No, are no. We, no we, let's we'll, we will we will bookmark a spoiler in the middle of okay. this review. So let's not get to not you know. Let's deep. just get to the first third of our uh, in our discussion. You know, right? Um, yeah. It, no, <laughs> it's uh, it, it, the the idea of how long they put off this the superhero part. Like, there's there's a certain. There's something interesting to me about that in the sense that they're they're really like doubling down on making this like this weird kind of science movie, but the science itself is ridiculous and silly and it doesn't make any sense <laughs> and the you know the idea that that the plan of this company is to put these little these kids in this situation and then their father is like yeah yeah and then and then we'll put and then we'll send a monkey and then we'll send you I don't, well, well, I don't think they were going to send uh, you, quote unquote, you. Uh, no, they were going to send. They were going to send all the kids. Like that was the idea, and they were all upset when somebody was like, "No, no, we're not going to let you go." You know, <laughs> right? Okay. 
Anyway, um, here I like I like the fact that you know they had uh, non traditional casting and they like totally didn't even make a big deal about it in the movie. Like, yeah, that's my sister. Yeah, that's my brother. Awesome. That's cool. But maybe there's any relationship between the sister and brother in this movie at all at any point. There- uh, it, it, what you're referring to is the fact that they might as well not have been sister and brother because the the their relationship was almost completely absent from the film. I yes. mean, besides a few lines referring to it, you do not feel any kind of like oh, the characters are basically interchangeable in terms of their relationship. Yeah, it's like uh, you know they make a big deal about how the fact that Sue was adopted. It's like she was adopted like last Tuesday because <laughs> they basically are strangers to one another. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I as an actor watching this movie, it, it, these are these are excellent actors. We've seen them do, we've seen them do all across the board. Some we've of the seen, most skilled actors of our generation, I would say. Yeah. And it, and it really goes to show you. You know, you hear that cliche that people say film is not the, an actor's medium. This is an example of why people say that because <laughs> these guys are not doing a bad job. They are doing the job that they are paid to do and they have absolutely no support whatsoever from the filmmakers because they are hung out to dry over and over and over again in this movie. Okay, what do you mean by that, Jeff? Right? Like when you say hung out to dry, you mean that uh, a a good filmmaker would not have allowed performances like these to be in their current form in the film. Is that what you're saying, or or do you have something more specific in mind? It's not that uh, you know. It, it is that the things they are asked to do are ridiculous, and the structure <laughs> of the film doesn't do anything to mitigate that. Like structurally, <laughs> and and how things are shot and how things are put together, you know. There's some – we're in a, a place special effects-wise where we could see a really interesting idea of somebody being stretched out. And there's a moment where Reed Richards is stretched out on this table, all stretched out and discombobulated. And that could be really compelling and, and bizarre and, and, and disturbing on a, in a certain way if that's the tone they're going for. And by the way, the tone of this movie is all so over, strange. All over the place. So strange. All over the place, yeah. Um. <laughs> but like <laughs> I, I'm still having such a hard time <laughs> yeah I've never heard you this incoherent before because you're just at a loss for words every <laughs> new, every idea that I, I keep starting to say some other aspect comes into my head and I want to switch gears <laughs> Okay, let's let me let me organize some of these thoughts for you. Let's 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 try to go linearly. We're not going to go too far into the movie before I get to spoilers. But uh, so uh, the first part of the movie is they're trying to build this portal to this other dimension, right? And Reed Richards is there, and they're trying to build this portal. And um, the 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 motivation for for trying to build the portal is you know. Uh, I, he wants I, to teleport. He wants to be the first man to teleport. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that's kind of there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just difficult to understand kind of what the movie is trying to do a lot of the time. It is you know? literally a science fair project, man. <laughs> that's so dumb. Okay, wh- dumb. why is that dumb, Jeff? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, <laughs> because. <laughs> it, it plays – that's the thing. It plays so dumb. It, it, we, he literally has a group of judges who are doubting him 
walking around giving him low marks for creating something that we've seen do miraculous things. Yeah. Right? I, that, that, it that, plays that, like that a cartoon. True. You know, it did remind me of uh, one th- what something my chemistry teacher, Mr. Grant, said when I was in high school. <laughs> Which is that uh, that like, like atomic theory? I don't even remember who the person was, but that atomic theory was basically developed uh, like well before we think it was. Uh, that someone had like started developing the idea, and and then for some reason it never took off or it never caught on with the scientific community. And I remember these words. You know how like sometimes in high school your teacher says words that you remember for the rest of your life. I remember these words that my my teacher said, and he said. If we told so-and-so that atomic theory was dumb, right, at a time when people didn't even know what atoms were, like if we told so-and-so that atomic theory wasn't true or we discouraged them in some way, then we as humanity blew it. Right. And uh, that's what I thought of when I saw this this movie (laughs) about how Reed Richards, who is a genius, uh, is is building this teleportation device for a science project and then – uh, is tell, being told by a science teacher, hey, you're a moron, why are you even trying? Uh, there was a, a germ of a compelling idea in there about brilliance not being appreciated in its time. Well, So that's why I, I kind of I, – I thought it was that, – that was, you know, uh, maybe I'm just thinking of it with rose-colored glasses because I was still kind of into the movie at that point. I and was I, too. And it, I, at, that, know, at that point being like 10 minutes into the movie. Just and so and there – I think this points to what we were talking about with regard to tone because in – in a movie that embraces the comic bookness, there's a, a way to make that scene work, right? Um, but this movie is so self-serious yes. and so devoid of humor or self-reflection or – I mean there's a couple of lines of humor, um, you know, just a couple of quips between people. But overall the tone, it, it's as if you know we're still in the middle of whiplash, you know? It is, it is very – it, it's like a psychological horror film. That's really yes. what I felt like most of the film was. It, it felt to me like psychological horror. And because and there is some body horror. I mean horrible things are happening to these kids, quote-unquote kids. I mean they're on their 20s and 30s. These kids' bodies uh, right. in the film. And, and in the comic, is that, that happens too, right? The thing is a tortured character. He's, he's never going to look like a human being again. And there's, there's a, an idea there that's interesting – but the entire movie is painted with that same brush. Yeah. In a, strangely, so strangely. So I, I think the, the opening of this kind of reminds us of, let's say, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, you know, mm. where it's very kind of colorful and goofy. You know what I mean? Right. And then it quickly descends into like some combination of – Amazing Spider-Man 2 and The Fly. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm just throwing out random references there, but I guess it's just like it, it, most of the movie is incredibly dark and in a way that I feel undercuts some of the inherent silliness of, of the plot. Anyway, it, I, I think we're going to strain to really talk about this movie before we get to spoilers. So yeah. well, let's just get to spoilers. And, yeah, we and, didn't like it. You shouldn't go see it. Now you're looking for the secret. Trying to see this coming. No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. All right, Jeffrey. Now the gloves are off. We're free yeah. to talk about anything. So what, what are you dying to get to? 
Okay, first, first of all, <laughs> the easiest thing in the world is to take something that was designed by somebody else and is awesome and just make it awesome. <laughs> like there's this thing called Dr. Doom that looks really cool. It looks it like anybody that looks at Dr. Doom goes, that's cool. That's a cool looking character. <laughs> yeah. All you got to do is make that exact thing. Like even Roger Corman made Dr. Doom look cool cuz he just made fucking Dr. Doom, right? What the hell did they do to Dr. Doom? <laughs> okay, I'm how, sorry. How would I, you I, I, I'm jumping you, ahead. Yeah, you're you're jumping ahead here. Let's let's uh let's start earlier on. So they send these people uh across to this other dimension. Yeah, and, and they I come guess. they come back all messed up. Well, let's talk about that first yep. of all. Okay, so the plan is we're going to bring the smartest kids together. We're going to give them a, a big budget. They're going to do this thing that the science fair kid did and the other recluse kid was working on. And they're, they're the smartest kids. <clears throat> and then when they're done, <laughs> when it works, when when we have sent a monkey there and the vital signs are good, so he must be fine. Uh, let's not, you know, wait let's, for any long. Let's not explore that. Let's not explore that any further. No, the vital signs are fine. Dude. I don't understand what the problem is. Um, so then, the next step, the plan, the dad's plan, dad's plan is: you guys built it, you get to go in it, <laughs> which has never been the case in the history of anything. Um, so that's dumb. But then Tim Blake Nelson says, "You can't do it." Can't right. do that because he he knows how the world works. Because he's a smart person. He's is, the smartest person in the movie. <laughs> well, he is. And what does dad say? Dad says, "I'm not going to let this stand. I'm I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to do something about this." What? I think okay. I think you're really hung up on this plot point, Jeff. But it's I think dumb. I really think it is one of the least problematic things in this film. I know. I just don't want to skip past it because okay, it's dumb. That's fair enough. I think it's time to start coordinating with our friends at NASA. What? It works. We have to start thinking about sending men. Yeah. Us. Look, I won't deny that what you've created here is incredible. But this isn't the school science fair anymore. We have to bring in help now. Well, hey, why just NASA? Why not the Army or the CIA? We could send our political prisoners there. Waterboarding in the fourth dimension could prove very effective. Why don't we discuss the details of this someplace else? In the meantime, we appreciate your service. Hey, thank you. So then they they send the kids, and then the you know the firstly, when you build a freaking interdimensional time capsule, I'm curious why you build them in denominations of four. Always do it in fours. Come on, why not just one big one that everyone could fit in? It makes (laughs) no no sense to me. That's dumb. Um, But then it wouldn't allow for people to be transformed in very specific ways. Right. Uh, Anyway, they go, and then Doctor and Victor Von Doom. They go. And uh, and when they get inside, see, uh, it alerts to uh, only her Su- personal laptop. Her personal Storm. laptop. Only Sue Storm. No one else. She's the only one that would would have really put the alert. She. Everybody else is like on uh, sleepy time. You know, yep. the do not disturb. So I'm sure they don't want the alerts of when the world's first portal machine gets activated. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then they go, and Victor Von Doom, which you know is is a comically evil name. Right. Uh, they all go, and then uh, th- this actually fits in exactly. Uh, I, I think you were there at the conversation we had the other day about um, Ant Man, 
right? Yeah. About how every single here's one thing this movie does do like a uh, like a Marvel film is a seemingly normal dude suddenly turns incredibly evil all of a sudden for basically no reason. Well, right? he was always evil. Remember that guy was like Victor Von Doom. Uh, uh, the only smart person in the movie was like Victor Von Doom. <laughs> uh, shouldn't he be in jail? <laughs> so there was some indication that he's a bad guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, trusting dad who wants to send all his kids to the other dimension, uh, he, he trusts him. Yeah, and, and also, you know, Jeff, there is a bit of a reach from somewhat of a bad guy to wanting to destroy the entire planet. I, I do think there, that is a jump. Well, there. you know, he, he, he saw the, the, uh, the new dimension and he – He's he like, this he is amazing. Yeah. I, have nothing, I don't want anything to jeopardize this even though what is – uh, I, I guess these freaking humans coming in and gallivanting around are going to deplete all of the resources. Like, uh, what what is going on there? Yeah. Uh, anyway, okay. So they Victor Von Doom gets consumed by what is? Can you explain what that is, Jeff? Because I have no idea. No, no, oh, I okay. can't. This is not canon. No, in the comic book, it's cosmic rays. I know? see. So, so it's, maybe it's, this is just this is leftover goop from the Ghostbusters movie. It's uh, it's intergalactic groundwater. I think yeah. is what this is. And so it, it envelops him. Right. And then uh, they have to travel back, right? Yes. So then they travel back and then they have all these new powers. And actually that scene is quite effective when they kind of are discovering what's going on and everyone's dead. and, and In a horror movie kind of way. In a horror Which, movie kind of way, yeah. I thought that was very effective. If this was a horror movie, I would, I would have had a blast. At now, that. in the comic book, in the original comic book, it was very horrific. They were rolling around on the moon Getting cosmic rays and bad things were happening, so so there is precedent for it to be a horrific experience for them to get their powers. Correct. So yes, and I agree that scene is is very effective. And you know what's the best part of, of that scene? It ends with one year later. <laughs> because why would we want to deal with the aftermath of this life altering event what? that's happened to these characters? <laughs> it's uh, some shit happens to them. Yada, 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 they're superheroes. <laughs> but Jeff, you yada, yada, the best part. Yeah, that's exactly what no, the movie does. No, David, I kept the superheroes in there. <laughs> <laughs> they, they get their powers and some, some time passes and then they're, they're really good at using the powers. Oh, really? You don't think we want to see the part where they learn how to use their super awesome powers and become super awesome? Well, I think the, the big issue that happened to me that I encountered was like, what is the dynamic between – the characters, the the Fantastic Four at that point, and the government who are trying to take control of them, right? Like there is so much elided there, right? What yes. what happened there? Like, what did they? Were they willing? Were they like, oh hey, you know these powers are horrific, horrifying, and and awesome, but I'm willing to subsume my will to that of uh, the government because I believe it's for the greater good. You well, know, we're supposed or, to think that Johnny Storm had that had that thought. We're supposed to think that he digs it so much. He digs being the Human Torch so much that he's willing to be a stooge for the government. Meanwhile, Ben Grimm is just so depressed he's willing to be a stooge, and Sue Storm is the only one who doesn't want to be a stooge. But for some reason, they waited a year to ask her to help find Reed. Also, like, I think you're being very generous about what the movie is conveying about its characters, in in the sense that. I don't know that any of what you just said was really on screen. I mean, I agree the part about Human Torch being into it, that, that was cool. But again, what is the journey from him being on fire to him being a, a military superpower? Uh, Dave, what, Super part of, what part of one year later do you not understand? <laughs> a lot, apparently. They, <laughs> they left a lot out of there. Hey, 
They're gonna send me on a project. Like Ben? We should use these powers to do something. They're not powers. They're aggressively abnormal physical conditions that okay. we're gonna fix. Can you right. turn that off? And what if they can't? What if it takes more time to get it right? We could be talking years. I am not going to be a tool. Johnny. Stan, you ready? Yes, we are. Flame on. Okay, Johnny. Thank you, sir. Don't forget. We're here to get our lives back. The, but do you see? Do you see my complaint? Is that like yeah. that whole that him finding his true purpose as being part of the military? That could have been its own arc right there. Yes, that's uh, the most interesting stuff. That's the part of being a superhero that people like is like figuring out how to use your powers yeah, and coming what to, to terms do. with what's going. All the stuff yes. that we liked in Chronicle, you know that that is no yes. longer in this movie. Uh, so, so that was a huge gap for me. Just like huge jump in time. And then nothing is it just so much is missing there in terms of right. what to fill in those gaps and, and make this uh, you know emotionally satisfying. And the All right, first so that was, time that was one thing. Go ahead. Sort of as just as a superhero movie, where what we're signing up for is to see cool superpowers being used and a team. Uh, literally, the first time we see Ben Grimm do anything even remotely superheroic. It's on a TV screen in the corner of the room, sort of blurry and off to the side. <laughs> right. Like, be, by the way, uh, during the last year, Ben Grimm's been doing some really awesome stuff. Hey, you guys don't want to see that. <laughs> right. Or the journey that it took for him to become that. And, and right. how does he even feel about it? Is he, is he happy about the fact that he is a, a tool of the government? Is he sad? Does, does he uh, find some fulfillment in it? Like, we have no idea. All, he know, all we know is that he's bummed that Reed left. And, and by the way, if anyone <laughs> – by the fucking way, if anyone ever walks into a room and says to me, uh, David Chen left and he's never coming back, I go, how do you know he's never coming back? <laughs> like never – how do you know he's never coming back? Like what? What is that? <laughs> Well, f- firstly, you know, you bring up a, a good point, which is the whole Reed Richards in Latin America subplot. What the heck was the point of that? Colossal uh, waste of time. I mean, what, yes. what what was he doing there? Like, did, was that made clear at all? Like, what was the point it, of it? The idea was that he was trying to get parts to build his own version of the thing because for some reason they think that when they get back to the other dimension right, yeah, they can that figure was, out how to undo this. That was the like, second big issue I had was was why do you think going back to the dimension will, will allow you to figure out how to undo this? Yeah, there's no – there's nothing that would lead you to believe that. There's no evidence <laughs> to that at all. Yeah, agreed, agreed. <laughs> it's so, like so saying – it's like – yeah, whatever. <laughs> those are the two big – Logical jumps in the movie that I had I had a difficult time with, but that at that point I was we were only in Act Two at this point, right? Oh yeah, that was when the movie was just starting to gear up with how horrible it was. You know, like at at that point I was like, okay, well that's a logical jump, but whatever, I'll put it I'll put it out of my mind. That's fine. And and every iteration of of Mister Fantastic in the history of of that character, at no point have they ever used his stretchy powers to give him a different face. Once you give some dude a different face, like. Why does he ever need his old face? You know, like what, what, why would he ever walk around himself if, if he's in, if he's hiding out? Like, right. 
I don't. That's true. That being said, I will give them credit that the new face looked like a derivative of the old face. Right. And they found they either made him up really well, or they found some dude that looked sufficiently like Miles Teller that it was convincing. So I, I, I do have to give them credit there. Okay. Yeah. So, um, okay, whatever. You know, <laughs> logical jumps left and right. Movies do this all the time. Not not a not the biggest deal. Right. This has got to be building up for some amazing finish, though, right? So, right. Because right. so, all, all all this time they're they're going to try to spend going back to the the other dimension. So it's like okay, well, um, so they finally you know build the machine, and they get four stooges to be like, yeah, that horrible shit happened to those people. I'll go and check it out though. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then they're deposited on the one place in the planet that this this planet consists of one location apparently <laughs> yeah it's true it's so and true. victor doom is just chilling out there the entire time right? <laughs> yeah he he has apparently absorbed all the planet's power which by the way what what is he what, like what are the rules here does he has he absorbed the planet's power How, what powers no does he have right there, how come how come the people who just traveled back from that dimension with Doctor Doom don't have powers, right? What what is what what are the rules? I don't understand what the rules are. It's the most shoddy scientific establishment <laughs> in the history of man. Also, like no one gives a shit about actually testing anything. <laughs> yeah. So they bring they bring Doctor Doom. They're, they're like abort mission. Bring Doctor Doom back now. Forget about why that might be a horrible idea. <laughs> You know, just uh, that must be the number one priority. Bring him now. into the room. Bring him back into the room. Don't don't try to heal him there. You know, <laughs> don't don't try to do anything there. Just get him back here because you know he's been he's been <laughs> on this planet for a year. <laughs> There's gotta be nothing different or weird about him. Yeah, I mean, the, the last time we brought people back, nothing went wrong. So. Bringing people back this time is surely going to yield good dividends. If you, if a guy <laughs> was been on a planet with no discernible food or water for a year, would you not think, huh? Maybe it, it, this is not a planet. This is a dimension. Would you maybe <laughs> think, hey, hey, maybe time works different in this dimension, or like, what? What's the? Maybe there's a question we should ask about what's been going down. No. Nah, Let's just haul him back, strap him down to a table, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, see, just see what happens. Just see what happens. Well, apparently what's happened, Jeff, is that Dr. Doom has turned incredibly evil and yeah, also is so evil. has amazing indeterminate powers as well. <laughs> Which, by the way, that character doesn't have any of those powers, you know, historically, right? So what is that? Well, also, he, has, he has telekinesis now. Um, he has telekinesis and like – And then, dude, he made – Tim Blake Nelson's face explode like that. That I think was the moment at which I realized this movie has no idea what it's doing. <laughs> because oh, yeah. that is such a horrifying image. You want to know how I survived? That place kept me alive, gave me strength, power. What kind of power? The kind men like you must never possess. You couldn't resist coming back. It's not enough to ruin your world. Now you want to ruin mine. Victor. If this world must die so that mine may live, so be it. (laughs) 
Why would you put that in here? <laughs> he walks down the hallway and it's like something out of the, the – there's a video game called Fear, which is right. sort of like the ring meets a SWAT team. Yeah. And that is like a direct <laughs> moment out of Fear where he's just walking down the hall. Dudes with, with rifles are just having their heads explode against the <laughs> – splattered against the walls. It's like well more tr- disturbing than anything in Kingsman, for instance. <laughs> yes. Which, by the way, had a ton of people getting murdered, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, Devendra gave that movie a really difficult time for not having enough blood. This is why, okay? <laughs> because yes. if you have too much blood, you end up like the freaking Doctor Doom action sequence in Fantastic Four, which is so horrifying. I mean, it just is really disturbing. And also, the character looks so stupid. He looks so stupid, and he's walking down the hall doing that thing. And then he wants he wants to go back to his home dimension now, his new home dimension that he likes because he doesn't have to eat or drink there, which is super <laughs> rad. And uh, probably hangs out just swimming in the ooze all day. It's got to be great. In it, the ground, it looks the- like a fantastic retirement destination. <laughs> yeah. um, why would you? Why would you ever want to leave there? I just, right. The- as, as you said so so well. <laughs> There's literally no explanation given as to why he prefers that place. <laughs> yeah. Literally no explanation. Maybe, I mean, maybe he's get, he's absorbing the powers from that place and he likes but that. No one said that. No one has mentioned that. Not even him. <laughs> so so he goes he go, he's walking toward the device to go back to his home world. Yep. There is a woman in the room who can make force fields. Like that's her thing. She yep. makes force fields that are impenetrable. She doesn't make one. She doesn't stop him. She doesn't do anything. There's no all you, put a force field in front of the door of the machine, dude. Chick, Sue, come on. You can't walk past the force field. Yeah, well, and then also he didn't he exploded everyone's head except for, you know, except Sue Sue's father. Four. Right. Uh just so Sue's father could could have that last line, take care of each other and then die, which is yeah. You know, that's a horrible that's, movie no, cliche. It's, it's considerate of Victor Von Doom. <laughs> He's just like, I'm going to leave you – I'm not going to kill you immediately. I'm going to leave you alive for 10 seconds. Yeah, these guys, this guy's got some, some, some last words he needs to get off his chest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then he, he then he travels back, right? Um, yeah. And I mean – and then we have the worst action scene since, you know – I don't know. It's hard, hard Dude, to okay. Think so of. I feel like the, the, the climax of the – at that point in the movie, I was like, what the fuck is this? This movie has, has gotten so terrible. <laughs> but I feel like we have like another 45 minutes to go, right? Yeah, I, we- I thought I – thought, I literally thought it's possible we have like one hour left in this film. Yeah, that, because when – when, when we got to the Doctor Doom final fight sequence. Yeah, I, I it, thought it that- felt like he's leaving. Now the Fantastic Four is going to have to you know, get their shit together and figure out what they're going to do. Like we're, we're – we're only in the second act here, clearly, because this is not – it's not climax time. We haven't gotten to any climactic moment. No, we're there. We're there. We, let's all just follow him in and, and fuck some shit up. So It comes out of nowhere. The, yeah. the ending of this movie comes out of nowhere and then also is – laughably awful okay so let's talk about why i mean i think you you pointed out earlier the staging is really weird i mean it it is like what we said like people running in front of green screens looking ridiculous yes (laughs) that's really what it is i mean this is this is what i'm talking about when i say hanging actors out to dry right because they are asked they are asked to do this they're asked to emote 
and and look in the distance and and there's so many moments when poor uh, Reed Richards, Miles Teller, has to just like shake his arms and move his face and contort it, and they're and I'm sure they were just like, yeah, we're gonna put some all this crazy shit in later, but they didn't really. They just sort of just zoomed in on his face and let. Let the FX team have, like, the day off. I think the, the moment that really crystallizes for me is the moment when they transport back uh, and they land on Earth. And there's this kind of shot that's there for a good five seconds of just them standing there. <laughs> and it felt like this is supposed to be that amazing, like, Avenger shot that spins around and every character has a really nice hero moment, right? <laughs> yeah. Except the shot is stationary and the character, the actors look like they have no idea what they're doing there or why, <laughs> yeah. why they shot this frame like this. Well, can we, can we talk, can we sort of break down the fight with Doctor Doom? <laughs> yes, let's because... break it down. So they all arrive, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they have superpowers. And Doctor Doom, by the way, I can't not think of you, Dave. Every time I see a fucking blue light shoot into the sky, <laughs> now yeah. you've put that in my head, and I'm like, oh god damn it! There's another giant blue laser shooting up straight up into the sky. Which, by the way, <laughs> at no point did we were we told that that dimension could link to our dimension or. Like, is Doctor Doom doing that, or is that just the thing that was going to happen that right. day? Right. Anyway? Like, what is or... causing this to happen? Yeah. Yeah. No, I. No, I, it's just like we need, we need sort of vague human destruction and and threat to happen. So let's just shoot a beam into the sky and have it land in the middle of a turnpike. I mean, this is the quintessence of. Using the blue beam shooting up into the sky is a lazy kind of MacGuffin plot device. <laughs> <Yeah. dice. laughs> it's a it's a the laziest threat, just general threat of scary beam in sky. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so so that's happening. We 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 know that's bad because we cut to Earth and we see people running from it and it's sucking things into the sky. There's so literally one shot of that. Yes, we know that's bad. We <laughs> yep. don't want the, we don't want to see that. <laughs> yep. Uh, so we got our team has to, you know, they have to. They, he's too powerful alone. And how do we know he's too powerful alone? Well, each of the, <laughs> each of the <laughs> characters in our story, one by one, try to run toward him, <laughs> and in each in turn get covered in dirt. <laughs> yep, they are covered in dirt. <laughs> that is Doctor Doom's special power: is he can cover them in dirt, and they are just. All covered in dirt. They're, they're flummoxed by dirt. <laughs> yes. And so Reed, however, is so stretchy. By the way, every time Reed stretches, it like I was so encouraged at the beginning of this movie because, like I said, there's that moment where he's like stretched out on the table, and the first couple of moments where he's yeah. stretching, like crawling through the the vents. Yeah, and stuff. very very creepy and effective. Yeah, it looked really like wow. You know, in a comic book, you just make him longer, but in real life, like. His skin would really stretch, and it looked creepy and weird. Uh, yeah, in the final in the final fight, it's just the worst looking, fake looking, <laughs> stupid thing. Um, so anyway, so he you know Reed stretches his way out there and gets closer to Doom, and then one by one, all of the Fantastic Four decide that they're stronger than dirt. <laughs> They just literally each of them. Well, one okay, by okay, one. okay. So the the explanation I made up for myself in my mind was, oh, hey, they knocked Doctor Doom. Like he was keeping that dirt on them via telekinesis, <laughs> so they knocked him over, and so therefore, uh, wow. you know, he they they could break free of the dirt. That, that and I think that's actually kind of logical. 
Okay, so he was dirting them. <laughs> he and, was dirting because, them, yep. And because because <laughs> Reed distracted him, he wasn't able to concentrate on all the dirting he was doing. And so it allowed them to overpower the mighty dirt and break free. Correct. Got it. Correct. Okay. Yep. Okay, so each still, of them still logical, yep. Literally the triumphant moment we get we get a shot of each of them individually breaking free of dirt <laughs> yep. and con- and and collapsing on on you know as a team and going, okay. He's too strong for any one of us. All we can do is the thing that dad used to always say about taking care of each other and let's let's team up. Yep. And be a team. And it and and what's the plan, Dave? <laughs> the plan the plan I think is uh distract him, distract Doctor Doom, and then have invisible the thing go up and, and knock him over. That's... No, no, not just knock him over. Invisible <laughs> no. the thing. By the way, first time in the entire movie first and only time in the entire movie that the invisible woman does anything invisible. Okay? So at no point have we seen the power of invisibility, which, by the way, if there are two superpowers that anybody ever asks you if you want, it's invisibility and flight. But the only time we ever see invisibility do anything in this movie, it's at the very end when she turns someone else invisible. Well, okay. to be fair, we also saw, she also used it earlier in the scene, okay? Uh, when she's like, hey, I've got an idea. And she kind of turns invisible and then runs up to him and then uses a force field on the whole thing. And then, and then he's like... Oh, where are you, Sue? And he like flings dirt at her until he finds her. You know what oh, I'm saying? He flings dirt. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. That so, was completely ineffective. But but at no point in the movie before that, by the way, she's supposed to create invisible force fields, not blue fucking whatever. But that's just me being a comic nerd. Okay. So so the 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 plan is not just that he's gonna clobber in time him and punch him. The plan is he's going to punch him into the blue light. Right, which he, which he may or may not be responsible for actually making. Like, we, 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 and, <laughs> and we have no evidence of what it does or does not do. Like the, the Fantastic Four themself, themselves have no idea that blue light is doing anything on Earth. <laughs> yeah. Nor do they know that it would be damaging or harmful to anybody, right. anybody in general, let alone superpowered Doctor Doom. It's like the all spark in Transformers all over again. I mean, it's just what is the what are the rules of this thing? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? So they clobber in time him real good. He goes flying into the blue thing, and then Reed goes, "I hope this works." <laughs> like that. Went, like he was like, "All right, what I want you to do." Dan. <laughs> Punch him so hard he flies into that blue light. See that blue light? That wasn't here last time. Remember a year ago when we were here? I didn't see no fucking blue light. I bet that will get him. I bet that will get him real good. I hope it works. Ugh. Yeah. And so. and and we can't overstate the fact that all of this is happening. The way all of this is conveyed is actors running in front of a green screen, gesticulating wildly and trying their damnedest to act their way out of this hole that the filmmakers put them in. It is – it's so <laughs> sad for me to watch. Just as a performer, I know that those guys – like they, they're not phoning it in. They're trying real hard. Oh, yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. So anyway, they get – they get uh, – Dr. Doom is vaporized. Um, yeah. Because because apparently, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, he wanted to destroy the whole planet, right? Yeah. That that was the motivation, I guess. I guess. So he gets vaporized, and uh, then for some reason the interdimensional hole remains open, and they're able to go back, and then they land on Earth. Whatever, it, none of it makes any sense at all. 
I, I still want to go back to this thing about like why do we see him in Latin America, Jeff? <laughs> what is the point of that subplot? It's uh, so bizarre, dude. What, what so is the point of that subplot? Because if he's trying to build his own, don't doesn't he know that they're working on their own version of the interdimensional portal? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why is he in? High, uh, okay. Anyway, it's so uh, dumb. And, and it's the, so dumb. And, and and really, we could have done all that in. It didn't have to be a year later. Going a year later, like, adds so many questions to the mix unnecessarily. Yep. Like, we don't accomplish anything by going a year later because you don't answer any of the shit that happened within that year. Yeah. Um. And, and so I think like when you when you get to that scene, the reason I point that scene out again is just because it it points to the two biggest logical jumps or two two big jumps in the movie that I, I couldn't get over, which is number one. Uh, wh- why is he building his own thing instead of realizing that they're also trying to do the same thing and then we're figuring out a way to work together, which he ends up doing anyway. And then yeah. number two, this whole relationship between Ben Grimm and Reed Richards is not paid off at all. I mean, they have that scene in the plane where he said, well, you know, look at me. You turn me into something that's not your friend anymore, that kind of stuff. And it's like, what? Yeah. Like, that's, that's the conclusion of that? What, 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 where is the payoff there? What what right. what was the point of showing us all this the young kids? Uh, anyway, so they learned to work together, man. They learned to clobber in time and and uh, punch people into lights, and it, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's heartwarming. So then the final scene, uh, they're saying, "Hey, you better give us a massive science facility, or else what the, the fuck? thing will mess you up." Yes. <laughs> Let's give a giant science facility to some teenagers. What? <laughs> what? We're the government, and what? nobody else knows that you saved the world, but we know. So what do you want in return? <laughs> you- a, a, a giant, by the way, was that a comic book reference, whatever that building was? Uh, the, it's the Baxter building is, yeah, is the comic book reference, yeah. No, no, but the, the 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 new science center was called something else. I, I don't remember. Oh, it's the called the Richards. Uh, no, 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 uh, no. But before that, it was like they they actually had a name for it before they renamed it the Richards thing. Oh. Um, I think it, I thought it was the Baxter Building. That's the Baxter Building is the thing. Yeah. Anyway, final final dialogue between the four characters is reads like something literally I could have written, and that is not a compliment. <laughs> I mean, it's it, if you put me in a room, if you put me in a room with a piece of paper and said, "Okay, have these four characters decide that their name is the Fantastic Four, <laughs> and you gave me twenty minutes. That's probably what I would have come up with. Yeah, not even twenty minutes, Dave. It, it, but the, the scene seems to take twenty minutes. I can't believe how long they stretch it out. They're yeah. like, everyone knows where you're going with this, you know, right? Everyone knows. It's in and the title of the film. <laughs> it is. And it, and literally they're like, uh, what do you, what should we be called? I don't know. Um, human torch. Torch, and, torch and the torchettes. That was pretty yeah. funny. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you want it to be? Like literally like we know where you're going with this. <laughs> at least they didn't show. So did you say – at least they didn't like say it out loud. That was nice. No, I know. I, I appreciated that. I was like if he fucking says it. But <laughs> – what, then you're gonna do what, Jeff? Completely trash the film on the slash filmcast. So it's it so discouraging did, to me because I I love these characters. I love the mythos of Fantastic Four. I truly believe I could I could deliver a really awesome Fantastic Four movie if someone asked me to to outline it. Um, I, I think there's so such rich 
ideas to to those characters and i feel like marvel you know marvel just recently canceled that book not too long ago and i feel like they saw an early cut of this and went we don't want anything to do with it mm. it's it, it is it really feels like something that came from the early 90s just structurally the way it doesn't understand its own characters it, it, it is it is worse than the other two fantastic four movies for sure I think it's just bizarre that we live in an age where there are so many superhero films now. I mean, there's this is the third one we've seen this year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so many of them are successful, and not only box office wise, but also they're critically successful and enjoyable to watch. And so the the formula for these movies is really obvious by now, right? What you need to put into a movie to make it successful. Yeah. So you either got to do that competently or you got to bring something new to the table right and this movie did neither of those things neither of those things uh yeah it didn't even sort of it's just just from a pure like filmmaking perspective it 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 falls flat and and that's bizarre to me too um what do you think is the worst part i i'm kind of i kind of feel like how they deal with dr doom is the worst part of the movie for me it is it is so inept in every conceivable way like before he's full on Doctor Doom, after he's full on Doctor Doom, yeah, there's nothing that, that, that makes that's pretty sense. rough. Uh, but I do give points for the making Tim Blake Nelson's face explode. I mean, that just <laughs> it, that is a troubling image that seared its way into my brain <laughs> that I'm not going to be able to get rid of for a while. And and so because you know it, it, it takes work to create a really horrifying image that will perturb you for a really long time. And so I'll say, okay, that's that was that was nice. It reminded right. me of like. You know, old Stephen King, like when I watched as a kid, like Firestart of a movie or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just think having to watch those kids, like the child actors, like what what was the point of that? And they were not good, and it didn't pay off in any way that I found satisfying. So that's Man, what I thought. There, there are so many shots, uh, mostly of Miles Teller, but but sometimes of the other actors too. There's there's a bunch of shots of um, uh, what's her name, Kate Mara, Mara. Um, yep. There's a bunch of shots of her levitating that are cringeworthy of like, oh, man, it's like early 90s bad TV flying Special rig. effects, you mean? Yeah, just like bad flying rig and like, all right, for this shot, it's you just landed. So like come into the shot. And she's like, she'd be like ugh, okay. You know, it's like <laughs> she's trying, man. She's trying, but they're not helping her at all. And then so many Miles Teller moments. There's, there's a couple of specific shots late in the movie when they're fighting on the planet. Where he like, he's he's being he's being forced to, for some reason, Doom can make his limbs do weird shit, and so his limbs are all kind of going crazy, and he falls down on his face and just lands on the on the on the ground, and it's just a tight shot of him laying on the ground, and I'm like, this is a metaphor for this whole movie, mm. like literally, this kid just had to like fall into spot over and over and wriggle on the ground and just trust other people to make it not look stupid and those people let him down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do not think any of the actors acquit themselves well and not not for lack of trying. But then I think to their other movies and I get, I'm encouraged. You know, I feel like, hey, they will overcome this. You know, this is the guy who, this is the actor who delivered us the amazing performance in Whiplash. Yeah. You know, I love Kate Mara in House of Cards. Yeah, uh, Michael B. Jordan in uh, Fruitvale. In everything. Yeah, everything. Fruitvale Chronicle, um, and he's going to be in Creed, and that movie looks awesome. 
And uh, what's the other dude's name? Um, Jamie Bell, right? Yeah. Loved him in Nymphomaniac. So, you know, this movie, uh, these actors... I will say, I will say the, the, the Human Torch effects looked cool. Yeah, like, yeah that was cool. Burning the, the, Man the character design. A, yeah. But again, again, oh, another thing I'm glad I remembered to point out, which is, again, a nitpick, but still stupid. Why, why do they make such a big point to say that the suit that they are wearing allowed them to control their powers? How is that better? Right, as opposed like, to just they, they develop to, the ability to control yeah, the virus. Yeah, like we figured out how to make a suit that where he could push a button and it would turn his flame off. Yeah. Well, that's way stupider. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> that did feel weird. Like, And also, the, how would they even begin developing the technology? Right. <laughs> just, um, Why do we need that sentence in the movie instead of, oh, hey, he learned how to control his powers in fact he would learn how to control him so well he doesn't burn the clothes he's wearing i mean you know? it really did remind me that there is a very analogous scene in the incredibles and then you really you watch that scene and you realize why that movie is so much better than this and of oh, course yeah. a lot of that movie is modeled on this movie or, well or, or, I, on I, fantastic four. I called the incredibles the best fantastic four movie ever made yeah exactly it really is yeah yeah and and you kind of see why when you watch this movie is because even a scene like the the suits that they're wearing and the explanation for it is done better in The Incredibles. Yep. Um, and you know, and, and you, you start this movie and you see that Marvel logo come up, and you just your it, heart your heart just flutters a little bit, right, Jeff? Yeah, it's you supposed get excited. to be it's supposed to be a stamp of quality, and it and it and it isn't. And you know, I get a lot of flack in uh in our uh, talkbacks and in our our discussion forums on our episodes from people saying i'm such a you know i say i'm a marvel zombie i am people say i have it have it in for dc movies i don't i want them to be great i want all the movies i see to be great but if there was ever proof that i don't just i'm not just a homer for marvel like not everything i see that has a marvel logo on it i i slobber over it it has to be yes, a good movie. it has to be something that you see the marvel studios logo in front of oh damn it <laughs> wasted on my own petard yes Yes, <laughs> I, I I still think it, you are a Marvel Studio fanboy now. And they just, just make great movies. Yes, I, again, Iron Man Two is not a great movie. So nor is Age of Ultron. But yes. Um. So anyway, I I think we've uh, yeah. there's probably more we could say about this movie, but I think we've said enough, right? Oh, I mean, this so is this is a, yeah. We we've gone this long. We've gone almost the length of a normal review of a normal full episode. Yeah. Because we just needed to exercise this. For, we just need to get it all out. Yeah. So I guess let me ask – let me close with this question, Jeff. Yes. Um, is this the worst superhero film you've ever seen? I, I, when I put this out on Twitter, there's a lot of people shouting suggestions at me. Uh, Catwoman. Elect- I never saw that. Electra. Have you seen Electra? I did see Electra. It was very bad. Yeah. Is Electra uh, worse than this movie? I don't think it is. Really? Tell me why Electra is not worse than this movie. You know, I, I think from a, I think the the uh, the scope of Electra is is smaller, and therefore it had a shorter distance to fall. Right. And I, I think there's a you know as much as I like uh, Jennifer Garner and uh, and I think there were talented people involved in that. The level of talent that was involved in this movie. It, it it is it is as I've brought up numerous times now. It's difficult for me to watch these actors just wither on the vine in this movie. Just just uh, there's so much talent and there's so many they're so charming and there's so much fun and they are just not given any support at all. 
yeah. from a script perspective, from a filmmaking perspective, from an editing perspective. Like the construction of this movie just makes them look terrible. Yeah, and well, also there's a lot of other talent involved in this movie too. Avi Arad, uh, Matthew Vaughn is a producer. Uh, music by Philip Glass and Marco Beltrami, wow. both of who are you know giants in the field. A uh, lot of lot of really talented people involved. Uh, Simon Kimberg uh, co-wrote the screenplays. Kimberg, uh, I'm a huge fan of Kimberg's work. You know, he did movies yeah. like uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith and uh, X Men: Days of Future Past. Um, so. So yeah, just just difficult to understand how it all went wrong, and uh, we really shan't sad. we shan't speculate on it any further. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So and uh, you know, Devendra owes us a, a debt of gratitude that we saved him from seeing this, and hopefully, all of you out there who are saved from seeing this movie after listening yeah. to this review as well. I got a lot of uh, tweets from people saying that their hope is that this has the Amazing Spider-Man two effect. And it just results in Marvel Studios getting the rights to these characters back. But, you know, if that happens, great. But I don't even think that they should put out a Fantastic Four movie for a long time. It, it, it's just got a bad taint at this point. <laughs> it is. It has been. It is damaged goods at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I would say that, uh, like, Ant-Man, that movie had damaged goods written all over it after Edgar Wright was, remo- you know, left for creative wow. differences. I mean, it's it's different. I think it's different having something in the public consciousness that is a representation, a big screen representation of these characters. You know, within we've had three movies with these characters in them in in you know fifteen years and right. ten years. It's it's and those other movies did well too. I mean, they yeah. made over a hundred million dollars uh, domestically. So the sad thing is that these characters are such a big part of the comic book universe and. They could be, as I said during our Age of Ultron review. Yeah, like, I remember you go. Like I, I thought what you were talking about was pretty much incomprehensible to me. Uh, <laughs> but you were saying Reed Richards should have been in this movie. I'm like, what? Like, I have no idea yeah. what you're talking about. Uh, but I'm sure this movie made you like. Given that you're coming at it from that perspective, uh, this movie is probably even more galling to you. Well, the way the way it works in in the current Marvel. Uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, the way that would be so beautiful is they are so, I think, brilliantly creating these two different eras of Marvel heroes. You know, you have the old Hank Pym teaching Scott Lang how to be Ant-Man, but old Hank Pym used to be awesome in his day. And you have, you know, these these older heroes, you know, Tony Stark's dad was awesome in his day. And there there was a shield back then. If you did a period Fantastic Four movie in the 60s and that is like the old generation of of uh, of Marvel heroes. That would be amazing. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if in today's time, uh, Reed Richards is like in his 50s, that would be awesome. I think that would be so rad. Uh, well, I don't think that's ever going to happen, Jeff. I agree. Unless these rights revert back to Marvel, which I would say is distinctly possible after this. So. Uh, so never mind what I said about the, the, that never happened. It, it won't happen. Yeah, I don't know. You're right. It's they've had a rough go of it. You know, they've had a rough go of it. The Fantastic Four. Yeah. F. Yeah. So. I mean, I don't know. I, when I see stuff like this, I go, that superhero bubble is going to burst. And uh, you know, Marvel may be the only one standing at the end of it. Yeah, you do. You do not want to be around when the music stops. Yeah. on that one. All right, Jeff Kanata, you're going on vacation. Um, where can people find more of your work if they want to follow you while you're gone? 
Well, we uh, we will still be putting out episodes of DLC, my video game show, while I'm gone. That's at 5x5.tv slash DLC. And we'll be putting out episodes of We Have Concerns, my comedy show. So listen for those. Wehaveconcerns.com is, is the place for that. And I'll probably find ways to tweet. So follow me and uh, see me gallivanting through Europe. I'm at Jeff Kanata with two N's and one T. I just put out a cello EP at DaveChenMusic.com. Do check it out and watch the music videos for that EP there. Uh, would really appreciate it. Okay, next week, what are we going to be discussing? We don't know yet. I'm going to work that out with Devendra. Uh, it's possible we might do a True Detective season review. That should be fun. Uh, there might be other things in the pipeline. I'm not sure, so stay tuned. Um, and there will be some bonus episodes coming out too. Uh, I've already recorded a career bonus episode about like how to get a... Uh, how to get a career as a film writer or podcaster. Um, and so that's already in the can uh, with uh, Alison Wilmore and Joanna Robinson. So going to put that out sometime hopefully soon. And, Is there a special uh, segment in that episode about how to eat ramen as every meal? Yeah. Uh, you know, I prefer <laughs> – here's, here's a good way. Actually, I learned this from David Chang. You uh, just take the ramen. You take the kind of like the, the little packet inside. Mm-hmm. And just sprinkle it on top of it and just eat it raw like that, like crunchy. Oh, like crunchy? Yeah. Jesus. Delicious. Wow. Okay. That's a low. <laughs> Something to keep in mind as an option, Jeff, as you're uh, as you're traveling into places unknown. I, I will I will keep that in mind. All right. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. We'll see you later. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, bad, it's the Slash Coming out, cause you know that it's the thing worth talking about.